0: You're listening to the Disney One by One Podcast. A chronological look at every Disney animated classic and beyond. Here's your host, Mike Rolfing. Hey, and welcome
1: to another episode of Disney One by One. We're on the eighth movie on this list. We're moving right along with Make Mine Music from 1946. And of course, you can check us out everywhere on the internet at Disney1x1. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and we post occasionally also if you could give us a review on itunes or stitcher or wherever else you found this podcast it'd be much appreciated as always on the show today is my brother david rolfing david welcome back to disney one by one hello mike glad to be back for another very musical disney movie uh, we know you love the music ones, and we know you love the, the clip shows, or whatever we're calling these. So the best of both worlds. These segmented movies that have nothing to do with each other, short films combined together, whatever is going on in the 40s at Disney. Meanwhile, we have a new special guest this week, my friend, Forrest Hughes, all the way from, where are you, Denver, Boulder, one of those Colorados? Actually
2: in between both of them.
3: All right. Glad to have a fellow colorado on the show. Stay strong. Is that what you're called? Colorado. St. Louis, then Colorado, and even better. Uh, there's a lot of us out here. So, Forrest,
1: with our special guests, there's a couple things we ask. First, tell me your Disney history. How does Disney influenced your life growing up or even now?
2: Totally. Well, uh, I feel like I was influenced with Disney in the normal ways growing up. Um, we had a uh, a VHS player, and we had like two Disney movies, which we watched um, all the time. Uh, We had The Lion King and we had Atlantis. Um, And I don't know why those two only, but (laughs) those two. And so I was influenced that way, but I think where Disney uh, was a little bit bigger was actually I went and studied, I went to school down in Orlando and so spent a lot of times there uh, a lot of random afternoons at the parks, uh, as often as we could get out there. It was super easy to get a season pass, and one person gets a parking pass, and yeah, we just spend spent three years going to the parks as often as we could. So um, that's like
1: a dream come true for Mike Rolfing.
2: I know. I have a one of my uh, teachers in high school used to tell me that she always envisioned me being a Disney prince. Um, And so I I haven't gotten there yet in my career. Hopefully I will someday. Uh, But uh, until then, I'll stay in Denver.
1: All right. Well, and I I have to say, there have been, you know, a few great moments in my life. You know, I got, got married, had a kid, those sort of things. But our day that we had at Magic Kingdom in 2011, me, David Forrest, and David's friend Kevin, was perhaps one of the greatest days of my life. <laughs> A magical day.
2: <laughs> Hands down to this day.
1: One of the best Magic Kingdom days imaginable. I still tell that story. I don't know if you remember the highlights from that day.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, I mean, the one I remember the most was when we were on Thunder Mountain. Oh, yeah. Right as all the fireworks were going off. Right as we were at the climax of the roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> I think I wept.
1: I'm pretty like, sure I wept. It's like we're
3: in a commercial for the parks. Yeah.
2: It was that or when we all went to meet all the princesses.
3: That as well. Was that the same day I got the those pictures of Mickey Mouse? Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: No, I mean, there was a whole chain of events that led to the Thunder Mountain fireworks, you know, extravaganza. We, we were exhausted, and so we rode the train around the park, right? Oh, that's right. And got off in, on Main Street, and we're like, what's this little thing over here on the right with a five-minute wait that uh, has Mickey's name on it? And they led us into this, like, nondescript, like, gray hallway, and we're like, what is this? <laughs> what is this yeah. thing?
2: Like, Oh, oh this is where I die. Yeah.
1: Oh, you get to meet Mickey. And we're like, all right, five-minute wait to meet Mickey. That sounds great. So we met Mickey, and then we walk out. And when we're walking out, there's, like, a parade ending, I believe, if I'm mm-hmm. getting this correct. And as we're walking down Main Street, we're basically like watching this parade and fast forward. And as we get to the castle, it's when they light it up with Christmas lights for the season. Oh, yeah. This <laughs> so, like whole ceremony at the castle. And then I believe the electrical parade started and as we're walking towards Frontierland, we like get to see the electrical parade. And then yeah. as we get on Thunder Mountain, the fireworks begin and we get the grand finale on, on Thunder Mountain. So
2: no, so good.
1: Perhaps the greatest day in Magic Kingdom history. Anyway, Forrest, the next step as a guest on the show is for you to tell us your top 5 favorite Disney movies from this list of over 50. So, why don't you give us number 5?
2: Okay. Um Oh, oh, they got to be in order too, okay? So, number 5, I'll go with Atlantis. And on a, that's the one that I probably have not seen since I was a little kid. Okay. Um but I ha- I like have vivid uh memories of moments in that movie. Number 4, emperor's new groove still laugh when i watch that movie that one's great which
1: i have never seen
3: i think it's been in every guest's top five so far but i've never, it's so I've never seen it's so
2: good um number i don't know how to pick i do know number one i don't know which two or three to go um but either two or three big hero six nice brilliantly done and then this one frozen really loved it i thought yes i loved it for so many reasons um beyond the story itself beyond the music which uh still gets played every once in a while Uh, that's why my spotify sessions are on private i had it came out relatively soon after i'd left film school so i'd learned all these like techniques and yeah i was getting i was i had just joined a company we did a lot of like animation uh as one of our offerings and to sit there and watch, like the amount of realism in the animation, I, I, I and maybe this wasn't the first, like the first time that Disney had taken animation to this level, but it was just if for some reason it stuck out to me. I just I remember the way they had done the snow, yeah, sure, and the way they treated the snow, the way the snow fell, the way it landed, the way it interacted with the people. It just was brilliant to me. I loved it. I loved the music. That's number two what about like the story <laughs> well I mean what I, I mean it's a it's a Disney story
1: it's fine it's not that bad I don't know I'm just like I'm just like jaded from how popular it's become I guess
2: well whatever yeah. to each his own but have number you been one on
1: the, have you been on the Epcot ride yet
2: no I haven't no okay I haven't either number one Lion King all right. Always has been. Yep. Everything about it, everything that's come after it, every bit of the music is great. Great story. So
1: well that's been number one on most people's lists, including including David and me. So Yep. Before we move on, we have a couple new iTunes reviews to read first from Connor B. Lewis. A delightful jaunt down memory lane. It's fun to revisit these films as an adult. So much nostalgia from my childhood. These guys do a great job telling the story, and I love the clips they play. Thanks for that, Connor. And from CJK3, this show is great for Disney casuals and fanatics alike, impressive production value, and fun guests. Thanks so much for those reviews, everyone. If you've written one and haven't heard it yet, you'll just have to wait for a future show. And if you'd like to write us one, we'll read it here on the show. So, great incentive for you. With that, we will get into Make Mine Music.
0: And now, our feature presentation... It's the most fun you'll ever have listening to music, the magic of Walt Disney, and the music of some of the all-time greats.
1: So Disney was having some trouble during World War II. Most of their staff was either drafted into the army or anyone left remaining was recruited to make propaganda films, which might be interesting to get into at some point. Um, There's a whole bunch of Disney-produced like training videos and propaganda films which there's actually at the walt disney family museum in san francisco has a has a whole like uh display about this which i read in great detail because it was very interesting i'd anyway. like to
2: join that episode yeah
1: <laughs> that'll be way later okay cool anyway so there were there were all these just like various unfinished ideas around the studio because they had been de- developing a whole bunch of things but then they kind of got put on hold and that sort of thing, the whole Three Caballeros Saludos Amigos thing happened, which you can listen to in our previous episodes, which kind of began this run of package films, which was just sort of like a bunch of short films crammed together. So that began with Saludos Amigos, Three Caballeros, and then Make Mind Music came around in 1946. So this was post-war, but uh, still kind of reeling from the effects of that. So this movie originally had ten segments, ten short films, all kind of music-based, crammed together, no real thread. Um a subsequent home video release in 2000 removed one of the segments which we'll get into and also removed some some nudity that's in one of the segments some some very uh tame nudity but nudity nudity nonetheless to rewind a little bit the movie was released in theaters in 1946 and then a bunch of the shorts were kind of used throughout different various disney things disney tv shows and that sort of thing so david do you have any fun facts to accompany this
3: I do have a couple most of them are just about like who sang each song which i don't recognize any of the names so i'm gonna gloss over those but um there's two segments that were originally p- supposed to be in fantasia peter and the wolf and the blue bayou which i think is the first one mm-hmm. um so those were deleted fantasia sequences which makes a lot of sense because this movie a lot of it feels like it could have been in fantasia 100 percent um Less for me, Peter and the Wolf, but more Blue Bayou and some of the more like abstract ones. That's the first interesting fact, and then Nelson Eddy, who performed as the whale from the the last segment, <laughs> um, was a superstar of movie musicals, and he sang in the popular operetta style um, in his career. But he was a super famous opera singer at the time, so um, that's who they got to sing that that segment and i'm interested to talk about it because could he really sing in like three different octaves i'm not (laughs) sure but it was a very uh unique segment i really liked it yeah we'll get into that but first if you haven't
1: seen this movie or haven't seen it in a long time here is a summary of make mine music in 60 seconds Make Mine Music is an anthology film consisting of nine different segments. First is Blue Bayou, which features two birds flying through a swamp at night. All the Cats join in is Next, a rollicking sequence that showcases 1940s teenagers getting caught up in the music of Benny Goodman and his orchestra. Next is Without You, a love ballad by Andy Russell showing abstract images of windows and clouds and trees. This is followed by Casey at the Bat, a classic American tale from the poem by Ernest Taylor, about a pompous baseball player who learns his lesson by the end. Two Silhouettes sends us back to the abstract as an animated visual of two ballet dancers take over the screen with a Dinah Shore song. Next is Peter and the Wolf, the 1936 piece by Sergei Prokofiev about a Russian boy named Peter who goes on a wolf hunt. His animal friends include a bird, a duck, and a cat. Another song by Benny Goodman is next, After You've Gone, which features numerous instruments dancing to a catchy tune. After that is Johnny Fedora and Alice Blue Bonnet, a romantic story of two hats falling in love. But Alice is purchased from the storefront and Johnny goes on a quest to find her. It ends happily, don't worry. Finally, Willie the Whale Who Wanted to Sing at the Met, a hilarious but tragic short about an opera-singing whale who is greedily killed by a fisherman but lives on to sing in heaven. All right, so Make Mine Music from 1946. Forrest, had you seen this movie before? Um, no, I thought you had done a typo when you sent me the name <laughs> of the movie.
3: David, any familiarity with Make Mine Music? No, I had not heard of it either. So, no preconceived notions whatsoever. It's hard to say.
2: Make mine music? Yeah, you have to pause in between each word.
1: <laughs> I had only heard of this because I'd looked at lists of Disney movies, but you know, and maybe seen the cover art somewhere. And I was familiar with the Casey at the Bat segment, which 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 was kind of about halfway through the movie. But other than that, uh this was definitely fresh disney content for me so Forrest, you've watched it now what was sort yeah. of your initial reaction upon watching make mine music
2: well i spent a solid 30 minutes after watching it trying to come up with a thread to connect these <laughs> um and i couldn't i could come up with maybe one to connect a few of them and then you know you'd be like oh okay that doesn't fit at all even the fact that the style of all of them is so different too i mean you've got some that look straight up from fantasia you got some that look like archie comics you got Mm -hmm. some that look like they were a little later they look a little bit more like polished and professional like i i'd be really curious if these were all made individually and then just compiled or if any of these were thought of as you know to connect them or yeah i don't know
1: no i think they just shoved them all together <laughs> just shoved them. Yeah. In, yeah
3: considering two of them are deleted fantasia sequences i would yeah. think they're all kind of separate that's true
2: that's
1: true yeah so david what did you think about this movie on the surface level
3: um i'm definitely getting used to these kinds of movies from disney <laughs> by now so i had a i think a more positive attitude going into it um i enjoyed i think Two of the segments were my favorite: the Peter and the Wolf segment and the whale, the opera whale. Those ones stuck out for me. The animation was more polished, like Forrest said on these ones, a little bit different than the abstract scenes. Um, I mean, overall, it just seemed kind of like Fantasia two to me. Mm-hmm. It's I didn't know that there were so many Fantasia like movies. Um, on the Disney list, I thought that that was like a one-off thing, but it was not, this is very similar. We did a Fantasia episode
1: a few weeks ago. And one of the things about Fantasia and the reason why they made Fantasia 2000 eventually was Walt's original vision for, for Fantasia was to like create this ever evolving concert piece, uh, that would, you know, they'd occasionally swap out segments and re-release it and keep it going over the years. And they never really did that with Fantasia. And that's where Fantasia 2000 came from, but this is basically that. Yeah. Just kind of like a better, more, a better, more entertaining version of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like pop song Fantasia. Well, 1940s pop song Fantasia. Yeah. Um. So I really enjoyed this for the most part. The segment, some of the segments are hit or miss, but as a whole, I had a really fun time with this. So. Yeah. So Forrest, if you had to pick a favorite segment out of this movie, what would it be? We'll start there.
2: Well, can I pick the one that got deleted, or should I pick one in this canon?
1: Uh, I suppose. So just just to recap, there is a segment called what was it called? It was, it's based on the Hatfields and McCoys. Yeah, but wasn't it's called, called that.
2: the 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 Martins, Martins
1: and the McCoys uh, that was removed from the version of the movie that we watched. However, I found it on the internet, so we all did actually watch it. So yeah, Forrest, go for it.
2: Yeah, oh, I just thought it was—it um, had me laughing, which I'm all, which I always go for. Yeah, it had a good pacing. I'm like the few segments in here, like the Blue Bayou and stuff, don't necessarily vibe with me. This just kind of, you know, puts me to sleep. If I'm if I'm driving, I'm gonna get in an accident. <laughs> um, so there was just a pacing to it. I mean, I always am amazed with the speed of animation when it's like cell animation itself. Just I'll do something nerdy and click through every frame of it just to see how they, you know, drew out these things and to see something that's such fast paced and to, and to know how they built it is, is rather fascinating to me. What year was it that they, um, released the DVD and took that out? 2000. Huh.
1: Hmm. Might've been VHS, but either way.
2: (laughs) Do you think it was, uh, worth taking out?
1: Well, they removed it because it was too violent. I think was the the reason why. Because of the guns and that sort of thing.
2: I guess so. It's
1: Halffields and McCoys, which is this, you know, ancient, not ancient, but old-time family feud and a lot of guns and drinking and people beating up on each other and stuff. So it seemed more Looney Tunes than Disney to me. Yeah.
2: Anyway, I think that was my favorite. The other one I liked, though, is the Casey at the Bat, which I do think I'd seen that one before. I'm a big baseball fan, and that was fun.
0: Oh, what a lark to ride out to the park. (whistles) And just to see Casey...
2: Here's a well I just spoiled it
1: but I was going to say uh there is one thing that I could think of in the Disney parks that 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 is represented from make mine music and it and is I just baseball sort of spoiled it but the maybe the baseball segment yeah. <laughs> yeah it's the there's a Casey Hot Dog stand Casey's oh, Hot Dog right. stand in the Magic Kingdom Yeah, that's all Casey at the Bat theme so Hmm. So much for, for my trivia question, but that's the only thing I can think of from the, from this movie that was uh, represented in the parks. But yeah, Casey at the Bat was fun. It was kind of insane. So yeah. like <laughs> whoever worked on that one was a little nuts. Yeah,
2: yeah. You learn a lot about the people that work there during these dark years at Disney.
1: So that's based on a poem or it was, you know, they called it a musical recita- recitation um, of a poem that was written in 1888, Casey at the Bat just generally familiar folklore kind of thing but they kind of took it and ramped it up a notch a lot of of violence in this segment as well i appreciated this one for its animation and kind of franticness
2: yeah totally but
1: it was just it was just kind of it was just kind of insane
0: but there is no joy in mudvin mighty casey has struck out
1: david could you pick a favorite segment out of this movie that we haven't mentioned yet
3: yeah, it's close between the opera whale and the Peter and the Wolf, but I think Peter and the Wolf would have to take it just because like they it's just structured completely different from the other ones. They intro it by like assigning instruments to each of the characters, and then during the the skit, each character, like you know, that instrument, those themes play when they show up, which is pretty cool. And then just the story is fun, lots of looney tunes-esque jinx with the wolf and everything but um i liked it a lot and then at the end you kind of learn that it's like russian culture i don't really know yeah. i think it's like russian or polish people um the other characters you can't really tell from the the kid and the animals but yeah i really liked it it was fun and a good length i think
1: Yeah, Peter and the Wolf is kind of one of those pieces of music that is often introduced to kids in in music class when you're yeah. pretty young because the Disney folks didn't make up the whole this instrument represents this character, this instrument represents this character. That was kind of like the, the original intention of the piece, I think.
2: At least that's how it's taught. Yeah, yeah, it made me think of uh, Picture the Music. Did you guys do that in elementary school?
1: Yes. I, that sounds
3: familiar. That yeah. yeah, was course, so bad, did you bad at go that. To, did you go to Kirk? I did. Okay, we we all went to Kirk, so we all all went to the same grade school. (laughs) All right,
2: cool. I I didn't want to assume that. Didn't know if we were name dropping our elementary school. Kirk, J school, woo! (laughs) Yeah, that's what I thought of from like the third minute I kept thinking about this. And I even think we used them, I I felt like we'd used the music from Peter and the Wolf. Yeah, and
1: I wouldn't be surprised if this segment is shown in schools and music classes and stuff. Yeah. I know the St. Louis Symphony does. Children's concerts every so often. This is one of the things they 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 often play for for that because they can say, "All right, kids, listen for this instrument and imagine a duck." Yeah. Listen for this instrument and imagine think a wolf. I I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. It was hard for me to pick my favorite in this movie. I, there were probably three I really really enjoyed. David, you mentioned the whale the whale segment. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll save that one. I really like, there's a segment called Johnny Fedora and Alice Bluebonnet, mm. which I really enjoyed. But I, I think my favorite of all of them, because it was show, so short and sweet, was the third to last called After You've Gone.
0: One, two, three.
1: It was just a, a jazz piece and all the instruments were kind of dancing and playing off of each other. and Very short and sweet. The music was great toe tapping. It was cool to kind of see the personification of some of these instruments and just very visually interesting and a fun piece of music. So that one was the Goodman Quartet playing After You've Gone. Let's talk through the rest of these real quick. Totally. Um, some of them can be very brief if necessary. Uh, the, the very first segment in the version we watched, if we're excluding yeah. the Hatfields and McCoys, was A tone poem sung by the Ken Darby chorus called Blue Bayou, which we mentioned briefly. Blue Bayou. When we were watching Fantasia a few weeks ago, I had never seen Fantasia in full. The only real exposure I had to the original movie was at the St. Louis Symphony, as I'm mentioning again, but they did Fantasia live uh, segments from both movies, 2000 and the original. And one of the segments they did was Claire de Lune, which is one of my favorite classical pieces of all time. And so I was looking forward to seeing that in Fantasia, and then it wasn't there. And that's because they removed it, they stuck it in this movie, and then they replaced the song. Oh. (laughs) So
2: somehow the St.
1: Louis Symphony got a hold of this segment and they played Claire de Lune to it. Uh, Maybe Disney, when they released the concert thing, they're like, yeah, this is a unique experience. But anyway. This
2: is how it was meant to be.
1: Yeah. And you can find the Claire de Lune version online. Nice but in this movie it was honestly a very boring song called blue bayou
3: yeah my only note was first song super boring <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> start on a good note i was super impressed though with the way they did the water um sure just from like a technical point of view pretty impressive
1: but other than that i just wished it was clear i wish it was claire de because i love that song <laughs>
2: Yeah, I watched this. I woke up early and watched this in the morning, and this was not the one to start with. <laughs> yeah. It's not a good hook. It just puts
3: you to sleep off the bat.
2: Nope. Well, and the
1: Hatfields and McCoys thing was a great hook. Yeah. I'm sure. But, yeah, I mean, when you, when you, when you learn to write a paper in middle school or high school, they always tell you to start with a grabber. Yeah. You know, really get, grab that attention off the top of the introductory paragraph. and. Right. This this two thousand version certainly did not. do This that. is like
2: starting with the bibliography. <laughs> <laughs> the the work, work cited. The work cited. Correct.
1: <laughs> exactly. So let, let's move on to the second segment: a jazz interlude featuring Benny Goodman seven and his orchestra. Benny the good the Benny Goodman seven and his orchestra, something like that, called "All the Cats Join In." I really like this one, mainly because it reminded me a ton of the Rhapsody in Blue segment in Fantasia 2000, which I've expressed multiple times on this podcast, is one of the greatest things ever made.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I love this one. Was this the one that you said had nudity in it? Yes. Okay. So, so,
1: Forrest, you mentioned earlier this reminded me a lot of Archie, which I completely agree yeah that was the first thing i noticed archie it looks a lot like archie comics it's very reminiscent or i should say the rhapsody in blue segment of fantasia 2000 is like the exact same animation style so i don't know if they were copying that intentionally i'm sure they were but yeah there's a sequence where this kind of teenage girl gets in and out of the shower yeah and I, apparently it originally showed her butt or something i don't know and that oh, was okay. that was removed that's my guess i i'm not i'm not 100 sure but the version we watched had that removed and i don't know if you can find the uncensored version anywhere
3: yeah, I liked this one a lot too. Yeah, and in,
2: constantly engaging. Um, so,
1: next we had a ballad in blue, Andy Russell singing Without You. All I wrote for this one was nothingness, <laughs> <laughs>
2: sadness, sorrow. Uh,
1: any, anything else? I don't even remember
2: this. It's I like. like watercolors and trees and stars and skies and i mean i'd i'd take that shot of the trees that kind of look like the slender man yeah and maybe hang that up somewhere in a in a corner of a
1: yeah of a a hallway hallway
2: somewhere but no that one just kind
1: of felt like it should go in fantasia
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah not a fan the song was unremarkable and i thought the animation was Unremarkable as well. Yep. So we're kind of going every other. Started boring, went to a fun jazzy, going back to boring, and
1: now we're into Casey at the Bat, which we talked about. The next one is <laughs> the Ballad of Ballet. Tanya Rabczycinska and David Lichny dancing to Two Silhouettes, sung by Dinah Shore.
0: Two silhouettes together in.
1: So this one was basically, it's definitely like footage of people dancing, kind of traced over or rotoscoped, Mm -hmm. which I guess is,
3: probably was a unique sight at the time.
1: Yeah. You have to kind of put yourself in the shoes of an audience in 1946, but.
3: Maybe the grandmas, maybe the grandmas of 1946 enjoyed it, but I sure didn't. I mean, there's definitely been some rotoscoping
1: in some of the previous Disney movies where they were tracing over you know human characters but this is the most obvious i've seen yeah in of these one move one number are we on of these eight movies yeah pretty impressive yeah it's impressive for the time like i don't know how they did that
2: probably by hand in an exact probably way by hand, hand.
1: <laughs> generally uneventful and not very exciting so we move on to peter and the wolf which apparently wolf in in russian is spelled uh it's spelled bonk bonk <laughs> <laughs>
0: As you know, in the musical score of Peter and the Wolf, each character is represented by a corresponding instrument in the orchestra.
1: This one is narrated by my second favorite Disney, Disney narrator. Last last episode, I was fawning over uh, Fred Shields, who is my first favorite Disney narrator. This one is narrated by Sterling Holloway, who is the original voice of Winnie the Pooh, and Ka the Snake, and also... The voice of he's a, he's also a narrator in Three Caballeros, which is as we've established by now is one of my favorites. So I love a good Sterling Holloway, so that always amps it up a notch for me.
3: Yeah, it's crazy how much they reused these narrators for these first eight movies. They reuse a lot of voices. Even the
1: the lady who sings in the ballet sequence uh, is the lady who sings in the uh, one of the sequences in the next movie that that we're watching. Okay. So moving on from Peter and the Wolf, we have the Goodman Quartet with After You've Gone, which I talked about as my favorite part of this just because of how short and sweet it was.
2: Yeah, really cool.
3: My favorite part of that was the the fingers playing the piano and then they dance along the piano. I thought that was pretty creative. Very energetic, very fast-paced. I cannot imagine hand drawing this time. I mean,
1: any of this, but I swear, I mean, based on some of these past movies as well, that there's some drugs
2: being passed, being, being
1: passed around the
2: studio. How much of these do you think was planned ahead of time or the guy was just drawing and then it went into the next thing, whatever came into his mind? Yeah, I, I really, I really do not know.
1: It's just a great way to visualize jazz and sort of how jazz musicians bounce off of each other and improvise yeah. and that sort of thing, so. Moving on. I love this next one—a love story sung by the Andrew Sisters, Johnny Fedora and Alice Blue Bonnet.
0: Johnny Fedora met Alice Blue Bonnet in the window of a department store.
1: The story of two hats falling in love, which for us reminded me a lot of a short film we made back in the day.
2: Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> what I was that, that called?
1: That it was like it the was... love—the love hat relationship. The love hat relationship. Yeah ah based on a poem by my former teacher aaron bells great i'm sure you can google love hat relationship and it may come up if you if you really want to see it
2: it was what was it it was yeah. I don't or even go- remember. google three times bells That's three times bells three With times Z. b-e-l-z
1: <laughs> that'll get you to it up on your vimeo yeah three times bells if you really yeah. want to see the love hat relationship anyway these are two hats in a storefront window falling in love
0: her beauty was sought by The girl she was bought by For
1: $23.94 But one of them gets purchased for $23.94 Which, I did the inflation math on this <laughs> In $2018, that's $330 she was ah, bought whoo. for So that is an expensive hat
2: Yeah, that's a lot of
1: money to cut ear holes in Yes, it is And then the guy hat gets out or he has purchased two and then tries to meet up with the girl hat he gets holes cut in him he thinks his life is over he's placed on a horse but then he looks over and his girl hat has also been placed on a horse
3: the latest super mario game um mario (laughs) has a hat with two eyes on it It looks very similar to these hats (laughs) this is that's what it reminded me of
1: this one was just incredibly charming, and the song was catchy, and I liked the harmony, the, the yeah. Andrews sisters. So, And then lastly, this one, we have the opera, Opera Pathétique. We're so good. 15 minutes long. Yep, presenting Nelson Eddy, who does all the voices for the tragic story of The Whale Who Wanted to Sing at the Met. This is
0: how it was. Him about a voice that sang at sea
1: and this one kind of blew me away honestly i loved it yeah
3: it was so good just like the complete story in it was surprising because most of the other segments don't i mean they have some stories but this one a good arc for the character you think that he's in the the theater but it's just like dreaming or like premonitions of what could happen there yeah, I good. mean,
1: it's incredibly tragic. However, the first five minutes or so is, is absolutely hilarious. Like, I was, I was laughing out loud at this.
0: A singing whale, what do you know? Imagine that. I don't believe it. I don't believe it.
1: It begins with the news going around the world that there's a, a singing whale that's been spotted. And then we get, like, scientists, like, trying to figure out if this is even possible.
0: And doctors and experts and men of anatomical biology,
1: and then you meet—you finally meet the singing whale, and it is—is is one of the funniest things I've seen in a while.
0: Mama's little baby love shortening, shortening. Mama's little baby loves shortening bread. Mm.
2: Uh, it was funny and fun and light-hearted, but I do feel like there was a. Uh, there's potentially a, more of a message in this one, just with that that one guy who's trying to seek out this this whale and kill him because he does because it doesn't make sense, right? He yeah. can't imagine there being a whale. I recently watched. I don't know if you guys saw the. Uh, did you guys see the Mister Rogers documentary? No, I have not. Not yet. It's fantastic, and they had a similar kind of message in it, just about like people aren't ready for miracles. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to deal with it because he faced a lot of persecution, you know, throughout his life. Just seeing how, yeah, the whale, it's strange, but, you know, everyone's trying to stop this guy. The sailors love it. The the people love it. It's going around. Yeah, there's basically this adventurer
1: that ends up harpooning the whale and killing him. Yeah. Which is... It's super sad. It is an opera pathet- path- pathetique. I guess that means pathetic or sad or... yeah i mean just to like whoever thought of this to have this singing whale and just like the juxtaposition of that voice coming out of this gigantic whale just cracked me up and like he's just singing these classic opera songs so i mean that that's the final segment of this movie so let's figure out how to rate this sucker so forrest We've been rating these movies on any sort of scale we feel like. So out of seven dwarves, out of three caballeros.
2: So Mm, what do you think the rating
1: system should be for for Make Mine Music?
2: Uh, How about out of of three uvulas?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Out of the three whale uvulas? So you'll rate it either tenor, baritone, or bass, I suppose? Yeah,
2: exactly. That's how we'll do it. All
1: right. So Forrest, how would you rate this movie? And you can do decimal points, I suppose. And kind of give me your final thoughts
2: i'm gonna go with a tenor dot baritone so (laughs) i'll go in between because it was i just um it was enjoyable i'm actually enjoying it more clicking through it the second time appreciating it it's not i didn't go into it with the right expectations so that might have jaded me a little bit going into it did you have any context going into it no you don't normally watch these type of Disney movies, so any context I had would have been like The Lion King. And so if you're, <laughs> if you're going to make my music hoping to see Simba and Zazu flying around, you'll be severely disappointed. But if you can take it just as these stories, like, you're right, they're hilarious. That whale when he's dressed up like the opera guy and actually singing at the Met hilarious <laughs> um so yeah i mean and, and like i mentioned i think that there's some I, having worked with a lot of animators and seeing how people do it in 2018 it's extremely fascinating to me to watch how they would do this stuff back in 1947 and what in even earlier with snow white in the 30s you know just to be able to do that it's it's incredible to me so those are my thoughts
1: all right, so that was like a two, one point something? We'll give it, <laughs> if we're
2: going out of three, I'd give it a 1.5
3: uvulas.
1: All right, David, make my music. what you think?
3: 1.5? What percentage is that? Out of three. 50? <laughs> That's pretty low percentage. Um, yeah, I was going to go with a two out of three. So better than some of the past couple of movies, I believe, if I remember my ratings. I enjoyed probably two-thirds of the segments and disliked the third, I think. So, it's kind of where I roughly came up with that number. But I really enjoyed some. I really hated others. <laughs> um, and my mindset has been adjusted to these types of movies because there's been a few. Three Caballeros and Saludos Amigos are also kind of like disjointed. They had a little more of a common thread going through, but... Yeah, and there um, were at yeah. least there one, were at least two
1: more. We have Fun and Fancy Free and then Melody Time, which I think are reminiscent of this. So,
3: And then they finally yeah. hired their workers back from the war? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and stopped reusing segments. My favorite segments from this, I liked more than my favorite segments from Fantasia. I'll say that. Great. I,
1: on a whole, really enjoyed this. I would highly recommend, if you enjoy fun animation, to seek out the last four segments (laughs) at least like or find the movie and just kind of skip through if you don't have time to watch the whole thing there's enough in this that i really really liked it's only an hour for all of it also that it's only an hour so you can suffer through a couple segments if you really want to yeah i mean it's hard to rate out of three but our ratings don't really matter but i would give this a solid two point something two point two nice you know, the the whale segment on its own was just hilarious. Like I said, I love the jazz thing. The, the hat story was a lot of fun and very charming. So on a whole, I really enjoyed this. I really didn't know what to expect at all. Yeah. And I liked it more than Fantasia. So I'll give it that. So with that, I think we'll wrap this sucker up.
2: Forests. Thank you so much for joining us on Disney One by One. This was fun. Please have me back, especially when we talk about Frozen. Okay. And um, any other time in between
1: there. I'll pencil you in for Frozen. Well, no, I'll, I'll pen you in for Frozen because I don't know if I don't know if I know anyone else who likes it as much as you.
2: I'll do that one <laughs> by myself.
1: <laughs> Our guest next week, I think he might be competing for that position. Really, Joe's a big fan of, of Frozen. He is. All right. We'll, we'll talk to him about it next week. And, David, thank you again for doing this show with me. (laughs) You're welcome. Thanks for having me back. That was your whale impression? It was. We'll be back next week with fun and fancy free. We'll
0: see you then. Bye-bye. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Disney One by One podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, send us an email to Disney1x1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Disney1x1 and at Disney1x1.com. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Disney One by One podcast. Now, here's
1: what you need to do. One of his lines that I wrote down was, goodbye, my friends, I'm off to be discovered. (laughs) Just make up the, up the tune do
3: it yeah sorry sorry i can't do it uh, my opera days were over uh, in David, sixth grade you're killing me. You're i was killing known me. for my opera outbursts in elementary school you were you that's ask... why i'm expecting this yeah. right now <laughs> puberty ruined my opera skills <laughs> <laughs> you lost your uvulas
0: goodbye my friends i'm off to be discovered i'm off to be discovered